love how in the reunion, Jeff starts calling this the season of secrets as if that was something decided upon since the beginning. <laughs> and it's like, you can't create a theme at the end of a season. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. This was, it, it would be different if this was called the season of secrets, but yeah. it was never called that. Ugh. Okay. All right. Yeah. Point. Jeff said that he was like, it was all about keeping secrets because the advantages were supposed to be. And like, obviously this team of, um, I don't want to say bozos, but like. Bozos is a good word. This, this cast of bozos didn't know how to keep a goddamn secret to save their life. Welcome back to Escaping Reality, the podcast where four friends watch and discuss reality competition shows to escape our current reality in the U.S. This episode, we're talking about Survivor Season 35. Before we get into it, make sure you are subscribed and that you've given us a rating or a review if you really love us. And if you like our show, be sure to tell your friends. New episodes drop every Wednesday. If you want your thoughts featured on the pod, you can email us at escapingrealitypodcast at gmail.com with a few sentences about your feelings on a particular season or topic for our segment, The Fans Have Spoken, and we'll read and discuss them in an episode. All right, here we go. So this week, uh, we're talking about Survivor Season 35, Heroes vs. Healers vs. Hustlers. They love their alliteration. So here we are. We are going to go ahead and just intro today's show, but also want to intro a special guest we have. Today we have Laura from, uh, I must have said Escaping Reality, but from <laughs> Idle Chatter. <laughs> from Idle Chatter, um, one of our kind of sibling podcasts, I guess you could say. We've become friends with them and a couple others and so we're really excited to have you join us for this episode kind of want to start by just turning it over to you um to tell us a little bit about yourself and also about your podcast thank you this is so this is so fun this is the first podcast i've ever been a guest on so it, it feels very exciting ashley was on the show previously and i think she probably already shared a little bit about our podcast so i i have something fun that i wanted that i thought i would share but in case anybody didn't catch ashley's episode we do um an episodic recap so we pick one season and then we we uh recap each episode so I always like to say when I'm when I'm plugging your podcast on our podcast, because like weirdly, it's been like coming up a lot. Um, it came up because we're talking about our bracket and we're talking about Palau. And um, so like I always like to say they complement each other really well because I like that you guys, you're looking at a season as a whole and then we're looking episode by episode. And I think there's things that you miss from both conversations. Like I kind of, I like the way you're talking about like the overall themes and, and we don't really get to do that. So we've had a podcast for a little bit over a year and I actually shared uh, when she was on how we had watched the show independently for, for years and just never found out that the other person liked it. And then I think the thing that held us back for so long, and I, I'm curious if, if you ran into this too, but we, we have a tendency to get hung up on the details. And I remember like, we just could not figure out a name for so long and we're like it has to be the perfect name and I I found our our note of like uh options we came up with and like some of them were like 
survivor sips, torch talk, buffs and stuff. And we obviously ended up with idle chatter. And then like when I went to search for it on Apple podcast, there is another idle chatter podcast, but it's I D L E. And it's like about cars, like cars idling. And I was like, man, I mean, and there was something I think, uh, like back in the day of American idol too. And it was just like, I don't know. We just had to take the plunge. (laughs) So that was how we started. We were just like, I'm comfortable competing with the automobile podcast (laughs) space. I think there's enough separation. It's one of those things that I'm like, I'm sure for either of us, like if we ever become big enough that somebody's going to like come after us, I'm like, what a great problem to have. If that is the case, I will gladly change our name to Buffs and Stuff. (laughs) I was just going to say Buffs and Stuff is hilarious. Also, Torch Talk, I I like that. I like Torch Talk. Yeah, that's good. yeah. Who don't hate it. But I do I like idle chatter because I do think it fits the vibe of your show. I mean, I like yeah. that it is much it is very conversational and it's like if you take a tangent that you can always say that's the name of our podcast. <laughs> like that's, you know, that's, you know. that's exactly what happened. I think we got one bad review that was like too much chit chat for me. And it was like, well, you got what you came for. Definitely glad to hear more about your show. Um, and we also want to hear how are you escaping reality and 2020 slash 2021. Oh my God. When I, when I saw this question, I have like a really, my answer was so dark. Cause I was like, I'm not um, because no, in the, in the beginning, like in 2020, I feel like I was like crushing a lot of content. Like I was starting with the, I was wa- doing a huge survivor rewatch. Ashley mentioned this, but we were working our way through real housewives, which I've never seen. And then in October I got pregnant and, um, and like it was planned, but like, <laughs> I didn't anticipate that it would like change my preferences. Like aside from survivor, I find it really, really hard to watch reality TV, which is a shame because I love it. But like I finished Real Housewives of New York because at that point I was probably at least like three fourths of the way through it. But I was like, it would make me so mad that I could like feel my blood pressure raising, even with The Bachelor, which like it's week by week. So it's not as bad. But like I, I just get so viscerally mad in a way that I don't get mad for like fictional things. I can't explain it, but like I I can't watch. I literally can't watch Real Housewives anymore because it just like upsets me too much. So I was like, like, I don't know. I think the thing that I've been watching lately, which is like my true escape is I love the show, The West Wing. It's my like hot bowl of soup. So that it honestly, I watched it when the pandemic started to comfort myself. And then I was like, I'm gonna try and not start it immediately again. And I held (laughs) off as long as possible. And then in like the past couple of weeks, I was like, it's time. Yeah, I love that show. Oh my God, wait, I just had to jump in and say like, I relate to that so much of getting anxiety of like watching competition and like even like Survivor. I remember the when we watched All Stars, which is going all the way back to season eight, it started and I texted the group. I was like, guys, I know this is a really old season, but I have anxiety that my favorite players are not going to do well and I don't know what to do. They're like, Nick, this season aired 15 years ago. You need to calm down. I was just like, I can't. I'm having a visceral reaction to this. So like I relate to and having to find like that comfort show to like decompress with. It's when I know it's fictional, it's okay. Like I've watched some super like gritty shows. Like we just finished um like watching Yellowstone. And that is like people are getting murdered like every episode, but that's fine because it's fiction. But when I and I mean to an extent, some reality is is also fiction. <laughs> but like the real housewives, I just would get so upset. And I I felt bad because we had like made this pact to watch all of the franchises and I had mm-hmm. fail on it. 
that uh, franchise is pretty anxiety provoking, I would say. I sometimes watch it, but I'm just like, are these real people who are like flipping tables and like doing all this stuff? So I can see how you let that one go. Maybe once you have, you know, your child will be like, this is what I need. <laughs> I need some drama. All right. Well, we're very glad to have you with us and glad you're finding some way to escape reality. We're all trying. Um, <laughs> it's it's a struggle. But we did want to um, kind of give a nod to one of the segments on your podcast on Idle Chatter, the luxury item segment, because that's, I know when I listen, that's when I really like to hear it. Because obviously we're all watching Survivor, but it's nice to also hear like what other new shows are out or just what's happening in pop culture or things like that. I think it'd be cool if all of us just give, you know, pretty briefly, because we do still have a lot to get into, but pretty briefly, just give one of your luxury items for the week. I will start my luxury item. Um, well, yes. Okay. I was going to say, can this be considered like a positive right now? Because it's Bachelor franchise related, but it is a positive that there is going to be a new host for After the Final Rose. It's a black man. It's not Chris Harrison. Aggie, do you know his name off the top of your head? I honestly don't. Emmanuel Acho. There you go. I heard him on um, Armchair Expert podcast recently, and he was really cool. So I'm excited. But yeah, there's a lot going on in Bachelor world that I won't get into. But that to me is a positive. I hope that maybe he will continue to be the host. From our mouths to God's ears, he is the best. Um, Laura, do you have a luxury item? I, some, something else I was having a hard time with in the beginning of the pandemic, and it's ironic since I have a podcast, is I, it, it's been hard to listen to podcasts because you're not, I've, at least I am not driving as much, which, which is my preferred place, but I've been picking them back up recently, which feels really nice. It's just like the nicest thing to put on while you clean the house. Um, and normally I listen to like a lot of Bachelor stuff, a lot of Survivor stuff, uh, but there's one that I've surprisingly been really into lately and it's just like a person that I followed on Instagram the podcast is called the fresh exchange and it's a gardening podcast and I'm not a gardener yet I'm gonna try this spring but it's something about like talking about seeds and like grow zones is really soothing to me right now nice I like that Anna what's your luxury item so I in this past week have gotten back into watching um the Try Guys on YouTube and Nick and Aggie I know you guys are big Try Guys fans as well and I used to watch basically everything they put out like as soon as they put it out and then I think kind of same thing like it was part of my pre-pandemic life that just didn't really carry over like the vibes weren't there but the vibes are back I dove back in and I'm happy about it it's been great I know. I, you guys have been telling me to get into that, so I have to add it to my list. Um, Nick, what's your luxury item? Like so many people right now, I have been really deep into WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. And as the obsessive fandom gay that I am, I was like, you know what? Perfect opportunity to just go and watch every single Marvel movie in the timeline order. So I've been going back and I've started to rewatch all the Marvel movies and I'm going to watch them in order of how the actual timeline works. Because I've seen them all before. It's cool to go back and be like, oh, they really have been setting this up forever. Like these are truly all connected. And Aggie, what's your luxury item? Well, I was shocked Nick didn't pick Drag Race. So maybe I'll pick Drag Race. Season 13. I always pick Drag Race. Okay, so I'm so going to pick it this, I'm gonna pick take it this a time. Moment. I think it would have to be season 13 of Drag Race. If you're not watching season 13 of Drag Race, it's, it's not perfect, but it is pretty close. 
the num all of the queens are really good. The challenges are really funny. My girl Rose, I'm living for her, and she just won last week, and it was everything to me. So I think season 13 of Drag Race has to be in the conversation. Well, all right. Hopefully, Laura, hopefully we did luxury items justice. I know you all probably spend more time on it than we did. It was very good. It was very good. (laughs) All right. So let's go ahead and dive into this season, season 35. Actually, take that back. (laughs) I'm like looking at the We got something else. Stacey, I was about to be like, one more thing. One more thing. I'm not used to this segment yet, but we have our, the fans have spoken segment where any fan can um, email us and just give us some thoughts or something they would like us to discuss. So we had a message from Jake uh, at Jake underscore Hess 41. And they wanted to know if you got on Survivor, what would Alliance play look like? And how would you do? And was this part of it? Who would do the best? Or did Nick add that for some? <laughs> no, I think that was in it. Well, that's, I, was like, that's I did not add direct it. from Jake. Ah, okay, okay. Does anyone want to start? I'll jump off because I have this idea and like how I think it would work. I think if it was the four of us, we would all work together, of course, to get to the final four. But then the three, me, Aggie, and Anna will have to get rid of Stacey before the final three. She's too much of a Sari Fields to make it to the final three. We would have no shot at beating her. Like Stacey's storyline throughout the entire arc of the show. You know, a diehard Survivor fan. She got up off the couch. She's here. She's doing it. She may not be the best in the challenges, but then she proves herself long time and maybe she wins a reward or maybe she even wins individual immunity and she would just get all that love and praise and that we would have to get rid of her when it came time for the final three because I just know my archetype on the show would just be a bitch and like either you either love me or you hate me and so I need to bring people who I think would be just as cutthroat as me or just like not as lovable as Stacy is Here's where you're wrong, though. Stacey is smart enough and she is enough of a fan to know that that is your game earlier on and to get other people to get you. Well, she knows it's my game earlier on because I'm saying it. (laughs) No, but I'm just saying she would have the wherewithal to go to other people outside of our alliance and say, like, guys, we can't (laughs) let Nick get to the end because everybody's dragging him along because he's made too many enemies. If Stacey's in final three, I feel like it, she'd be like, you know, I'm hoping to use half of this million dollars to like just foster more dogs. And people would be like, yeah, take my money. There you go. <laughs> you would have a great sob story and I would be on the jury and just be like, no, 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 no. What did you do in the game? Screw this sob story, girl. I'm done. I can't tell if this is a compliment or an insult and let it be known. And let it be known, we are recording this on my birthday, my 30th birthday. And Nick says he's going to vote me out of Survivor. Oh, oh, look at this. A sob story and we're not even at final tribal yet. (laughs) Well, Aggie, what would your strategy be or alliances be? I think it also depends, like, are we starting on the same tribe? Are they splitting us up two and two? Is this blood versus water three? Like, I, I don't know. What are what is the vibe here? What is the what is the context? I personally think it might work for me and Stacey to go to the end together because we both have this like sad kind of story of like we work in professions that we chose because we d- genuinely want to make people better, um, but they don't pay enough. So if we wanted to go, so that you're both route, going the sob story route. Right? Oh, for okay. sure, Nick. If anything, I have learned in the past three seasons, it works. You have to also have some gameplay to back it up, I personally believe, but it, it also works. But anyway, so I, I would probably align with Stacey. Stacey and I have also been friends for a long time. I don't think I could vote her out. 
I think for us, alliances could be tricky because we do all know each other pretty well. I don't know how we would read each other line. Like, would we be able to tell? I, I think probably, but I don't know. Maybe some of you are better liars than I think you are. I did go to acting school. Well, there's that. <laughs> um, and this actually leads into my my strategy. I would align with Nick because I think Nick, being the more animated, <laughs> would like he would take the heat if we did He'd like be a shield. Yes, like he would. You know, there's physical shields, but I think there's also just like personality shields. And I think he would take the heat. He would people like if anything happened. I'm sorry, Dick. They'd be like, "Well, didn't you hear Nick? He was the one who brought that up, or he was the one who like was making the rounds so that you know we could get the numbers." Like, I would definitely <laughs> throw it on Nick. I truly feel if I'm on Survivor, either people are going to love me or hate me. There's never going to be an in between, and because of that. America will love me and I will come back for second chances. Oh, so you're playing the long game. I'm playing the long game. I'm not playing to win. I am playing to become Survivor family famous. <laughs> um, Anna, what would you, what, what would your strategy be? I pride myself on being great at like reading people and knowing what others are telling the truth and not. I myself cannot lie. I do not have a poker face. In fact, I have a very animated face. So like, maybe I would try to use that to my advantage and be like, I'm telling you the truth because if I wasn't, you would know just by looking at me. But I think I would be able to feel out, you know, later in the game, if we are aligned, whether or not you guys were being fully truthful or not, or if it were in my best interest to perhaps go with another group. I know. I was thinking, Anna, like it would be good to align with you because at the end of the day, we could be like, so what did you observe happening? Or like, what conversations did you notice? Like, I feel like you would kind of know, like just the details of the day, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm a listener. There you go. All right. Well, Laura, I know we just met you, so I, we, we don't know how you would play yet, but we would love to hear how would you play with your co-host, Ashley? My first thought is that like we would be so doomed because we are we're super similar in a lot of ways. We're very similar like in that we're not really con- like we're we're good at setting boundaries for ourselves, but we're not really confrontational people. We're both empaths. We never want to hurt somebody's feelings. And it also kind of takes takes a lot to get us like I mean, it doesn't take a lot to get us riled up in terms of like the bachelor and stuff but like we never want to hurt somebody's feelings i don't know so so for for instance like we we like to joke that our podcast is going to go on for like 10 years longer than we want it to because at a certain point neither of us are going to want to do it anymore but neither one of us is going to want to tell the other person so like my my thinking is like on survivor it would be like we we would need to be deciding like okay who are we going to who are we going to vote out who are we going to gun for and it would be like well what do you want to do I think it should be this person, but I'll do, I'll do, I'll do whatever if you want to. Oh, you want to get that person? I mean, yeah, I'd be fine with that. And we would just like never be able to make decisions because we're, but we're like empathetic to the other person. And we never, I don't think we ever like want to steamroll the other. So I, I just, I, I fear that we would just go in circles, but if we were able to get past that, I think it, I think it would be fine. I think maybe it would be similar to a, a Stacy Nick situation where I, I don't know, we can both be, we can both be outgoing, but Ashley's definitely more outgoing. Um, I think she's more of a people person than I am where when I'm like new in a situation, I can kind of fade to the background a bit more. So I think maybe we'd have, we'd have a similar approach to that. I think it's a winning combination personally, but now we just need to all apply and see if we can get on. (laughs) So 
Thank you, Jake. Coming at you, season 45 of Survivors, CBS. Check out Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> there you go. But Jake, thanks for the question. And now we'll go ahead and dive into season 35. We're going to just start with our one minute thoughts and then uh, we'll talk about the specific tribe breakdowns. So my thoughts on the season, honestly, I went in not remembering a ton of when I watched it the first time. So I was, I went in open-minded. I have to say I was interested in the beginning. Aggie and I have a, a fellow Vandy alum who was playing. And I remember like when this was happening live, I was like, oh my gosh, we know someone on Survivor. It's Rourke. But then Rourke doesn't go that far. (laughs) So then there's like not that same excitement. And I just, as it went on, became more and more frustrated because I felt like this season was basically set up for Ben to win. Like it just seemed so obvious that he was going to win. And I have nothing against him, but I just... It just didn't seem like realistic, just how he was finding idols and then that twist at the end that I know we'll get to. So it wasn't my favorite. I feel like most seasons at the end, I'm kind of like, they deserve to win if they were able to talk at tribal and convince people then they deserve to win. But I do feel that Chrissy deserved to win. (laughs) So this is one of those seasons. Um, But those are my initial thoughts. Uh, Lara, what about you? What are your thoughts? When I watched it at the time, I don't think I was a fan. I think I kind of hated it. But actually, I was I was super surprised at the rewatch. I found it a little more delightful than I than I remembered. And I don't know if that's just because I was like looking forward to this conversation or what. But it was better than I remembered. But also in some ways, it was worse than I remembered because I remember like recently we did Ashley and I did an episode talking about like who deserves a second chance, and we we brought up Chrissy, and I I remember her being this really dynamic player who deserved better but then in my rewatch I was like eh, like yes but no uh well you know we'll get there but I I think like the way she was it wasn't how I remembered her yeah the the ben of it all like and then when we got into podcasting like and getting into like the survive the the dark depths of the survivor community and like discovering how I didn't realize at the time that there was like people thought it was a controversy that like the producer set this up for Ben to win I had no clue so it was also interesting rewatching it with that lens and trying to think like yeah this makes sense in this instance but I don't know kind of a stretch there I will say I do think it was really nice that they were able to like actually showcase an important issue of PTSD sometimes survivors just garbage but like I think this is like a really nice thing that they were able to do for veterans Okay, so overall, I didn't love this season. I thought the theme was a little bit weak. I I think I had higher expectations based on the title. And then I just felt like they didn't really find people that actually fit those categories entirely all the time. So I was just like, I don't really get what's going on here. I would say I was invested in Rourke because we knew her in college, like obliquely. It was so cool to see a face she recognized. So I was invested in her, but I felt like the beginning half of this season was a little bit slow. The gameplay was like slow to get going. Even when they switched, they swapped tribes. I felt like we still spent a lot of time at camp on things that never had any bearing on anything. I thought the strength of this season was episodes like seven through 12. I thought they were really good. I thought Ben's deception of like making them think he had also been betrayed, but really he was part of the alliance that did the betraying. I thought that was really smart. I thought those four should have been the final four. I found it very annoying that Ben spooked himself out of it. Then I started to find Ben a little bit less appealing. It got the Mike edit without working as hard as Mike. And I don't even like Mike from season 30. But I felt like this was handed to Ben because at least Mike was winning the immunity challenges. Whereas Ben was literally just finding idols. 
So that was to me a little bit frustrating. Um, I do also believe Christy should have won. There was absolutely no reason for her not to. There were some strong episodes. That's what I'll say. There were like three or four that I really liked, but the rest of it, I was kind of like, I don't know about this. Um, Anna, what were your thoughts? So I liked this season a lot, but the first half of the season, I could not give two shits about. Like the whole theme I thought was stupid and poorly done. I had really low expectations going into it and those expectations were met until the merge. I found it very difficult to pay attention to the first handful of episodes. I anticipated fast forwarding through a lot of them post-merge just to get to the end. And then it kicked in. And even Jeff says it at the finale. He says like, it was a slow burn and I really wasn't sure how it was going to go. And then like the gameplay kicked in and we had a good season. So like it wasn't lost on anyone that it had the potential to just kind of go downhill, but it did definitely pick up and I was pretty engaged once we got into it. Um, The theme, however, I think played no part. And I find that really frustrating um, and just disappointing from like a production standpoint. Like when we get into the theme, I'll talk more about my thoughts, but I see, I don't want to get into too many of my thoughts because I have thoughts on both Ben and Chrissy that like I know we're going to talk about yes it was obvious that the producers were playing favorites with Ben but like that's nothing new we've seen it we've now had the last three seasons guy with the dying mom one the midwestern cop with the heart of gold one and now like the veteran one like we're like I'm just not surprised the difference though because Aggie I'll agree with you I in the first couple episodes was like oh my god I know that Ben wins Ben is going to be just like Mike I hate this this is stupid Ben changed my mind solely because of his personality and I think the fact that he wasn't just winning immunity after immunity the way that Mike was so we'll get into more of my thoughts on that later because I know it's going to come up some more but I started out with that thinking and then my mind was changed so I'll leave it at that for now and Nick what about you so this season definitely falls on the lower side of my ratings list. But I do think that, like Aggie said, there were interesting moments that made it bearable. I think a lot of the tribals post-merge, like Anna said, were very interesting. You know, there was a lot of flip-flopping. We had that original powerhouse of seven that was ruined the next episode. And then you were rooting for this powerhouse of four. And then that was ruined the next episode. And I kind of am always a person who doesn't love alliance play. So I I did like that alliances kind of broke apart and we never had one that stuck all the way to the end. I think for me, this season was kind of plagued by the final two episodes and all those tribals where Ben was playing his idols. I think that part plagued the rest of the season because I hated Ben. I hated his personality. I thought he was an overconfident dick who knew that the producers wanted him to win. And I think he was just like, there's no way I'm not going to win because I'm Ben. Like, that's how he came across and I hated him. I hated him in Tribal whenever he made that huge noise to get his idol. Like, fuck off. I don't like you. And then you turn around and you get mad at Chrissy for being overconfident. But then you're being a straight up dick at Tribal overconfident and cocky. What's the difference? Oh, she's a woman. Okay, go fuck yourself. So nothing about Ben is likable or will ever be likable to me. I think his story was great. And I think it's great that we brought awareness to PTSD. I love that for us. I like that we focus on it in Survivor. I wish it was on somebody else other than the asshole. That's my tea and that's my take. Quick quick question for you guys. Can we talk about Ben in the, in the context of Winners as War as well? I will, I will bring that up too right now. No spoilers. Yeah, just don't. I won't, spo- I won't spoil anything. But I will say I did not like him on Winners at War. And I was like, hmm, 
maybe I'll like him in his original season. Because both me and Aggie watched Winners at War together and we both hated Ben. And we we're like, you know what? We'll give him the benefit of the doubt in his own season. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. My statement still stands. I still don't like you, even in your original season. Okay, wait, but do you think you're at all influenced by what you thought of him from 40? No, because the reasons why I don't like him in 40 are different than reasons why I don't like him here. But you already know who he is and you don't like him by the time you're watching this, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but the reasons behind my dislike are not the same reasons I have for disliking him now. I, I think I know what you mean, Anna. I'll be super curious if you watching it chronologically. Like, you're, like I, I don't know. I find him both likable and dislikable. He just seems like a, a good guy. Like, he has a lot of, he's maintained a lot of friendships from the show. But he's also dislikable in the sense that, like, he's a Republican. And so I don't, I, we probably wouldn't hit it off. But I, I think the evolution of this and Winners at War, it's really interesting. And I, I can't wait for you guys to get there in like, what, five seasons? <laughs> I'm kind of wondering if the reason why I don't like him is because he's such a production fave. And I'm just like, I don't want a production favorite to win all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want that. I want somebody who actually has to work there. And this is just getting far ahead of myself in like terms of like our podcast. But like, I think that's why I will always like old school survivor better than new school survivor because old school, it felt more genuine when the winner got there. And I'm sure there were production faves and producers helping people that they liked, but it was not as obvious as it has been since we reached like season 25, 27 area. There's new things added to the game now that like producers can manipulate in order to help certain players along. But no, I think that was a good point, Lara, that, you know, for for those of us who have seen season 40, that could also influence our our opinions on him and I'm kind of with you on it like I think he's probably a nice person I feel like I too have seen like pictures where he's with other alumni from Survivor and they seem to like him but I just don't it's uh, to me it's it's Mike Holloway like I think people like him too I think but like I don't want to see him win and I didn't really want to see Ben win so it's like it's just complicated because it's like they're probably good decent people but then like in the game I yeah I wasn't rooting for them I I think and we'll I I know you guys will get into like the pliers and stuff but (laughs) I'm sorry I'm gonna save my thoughts oh my god yeah right I I see why you have an outline (laughs) (laughs) I know but we don't even always keep with it so it's fine but okay let's go ahead and talk about the tribes and the players at least where they started um so we had the heroes tribe uh levu which was Katrina, Alan, JP, Ashley, Chrissy, and Ben. Then the Hustlers, Soko, uh, Jessica, Rourke, Desi, Cole, Joe, and Mike. Dr. Mike, for whatever reason, he got like his (laughs) job title attached to him. And then Hustlers, which was Patrick, Simone, Allie, Lauren, Devin, and Ryan. Uh, Yeah, we did want to start just, and I know we've already kind of dived into it, but talking about the theme, you know, we've seen multiple themes now, some, you know, have been similar to this, but this was a new one, heroes, hustlers, and healers. Um, So, you know, my initial thoughts, and I know Aggie has thoughts, mine was, again, I'm probably a broken record. I don't mind the theme only because I like to think about how it affects the players. And if they think like they have to live up to the theme in any way, that's, I'm always going to say that. I don't think it was super relevant to the game, but I just like the idea that they're going in with like some assumptions, I guess, made about who they are as people. Um, But Aggie, what are your thoughts on the theme? 
So I, I mentioned this before the pod started recording, but I'm just going to read to you what it says on Wikipedia about why these jobs were chosen. And then I'm going to use that to say my thoughts. So it says the tribes were divided into three tribes based on dominant perceived traits. The heroes were courage, the healers were compassion, and the hustlers were tenacity. Um, Jeff says that in a lot more words in a more complicated way in the first episode. And for me, when we have done three tribes from the jump, it's almost always been connected to this idea of outwit, outplay, outlast. Like one, each tribe kind of represents part of that. I don't think this was a strong correlation, which I think was why for me, it was a pretty weak theme across the seasons. There were people also cast that it seems like it's based on your job, right? It seems to be that that was like kind of the factor. It says it has to do with the quality, but I didn't see that as much. Then even still, there were some of them that went across the lines of those things. Chrissy was a financial analyst. And I think her hero thing was a mom, but that's not how she was labeled. Like she wasn't a stay at home mom who was a hero for doing that thing. It was like, She's a financial analyst and a CPA, but she's also a mom. So therefore she's also a hero. So it felt a bit muddled to me. And so I think it was a little bit frustrating. I was like, I don't totally understand who you're putting in these. And it almost felt a little bit like Worlds Apart too, for a lot of reasons. But I think when they did Worlds Apart, they were like, white color, blue color, no color is like, it's too vague. So let's narrow it. And then it got worse somehow. I was like, specificity did not help you here. I don't know if it was the right call. I don't think it got us anything in terms of connection between them. It wasn't like the hustlers learned that they had characteristics of heroes. The things that they found to sort of befriend them and keep them across lines were truly circumstance. I feel like normally when we have three tribes broken up for different reasons, they learn something about each other in terms of like, how this is a microcosm of the world, et cetera, et cetera. And I just felt like we didn't get any of that. So on top of the theme being confusing, I didn't have any payout for the theme. So I'm, I'm sorry, I talked for like eight minutes on that, but I had feelings apparently. That sounds it up perfectly. It's, it's like, it, it didn't feel like it added anything. My highbrow take is like, I don't like when people are defined by their job. It feels kind of shitty. Some of the stretches were really funny, but that wasn't their intention. Like, it's funny that (laughs) Ryan's a bellhop, (laughs) but he's a hustler. Um, And it's, it's funny that what was the other one? Oh, Cole was a rock climbing instructor and he's a healer. It just was so arbitrary and stupid. Yeah, I think beyond being arbitrary and stupid, which it was, not only did I misunderstand what they were defining hustlers as, like I was expecting like poker players and con men and like pyramid scheme women, (laughs) but that's not- I wish that was it though. Right? It would have been so much better for the game, but whatever. And then on top of that, I I think over the past year, we've gotten into this interesting territory where like jobs that you would traditionally see as heroes, like cops are no longer heroes (laughs) in a lot of people's eyes. And jobs that you would see as healers, like those are our heroes now, like nurses and like the current mental health landscape, like those are the heroes right now. It's interesting how even a couple of years, those like general perceptions change. My issue is not with dividing people up by their jobs, but then putting labels on those jobs, because I think that's so ever-changing. But truly, my biggest issue with theme, in my opinion, you could do so much more with it. 
I think especially when you try to distill the certain categories that they divide people into to align with certain things in the game, like I would outplay Outlast, different types of challenges that you do. Like I thought about it a lot when we were in Brains, Brawn, Beauty 2. And I was like, it would be so interesting to do challenges and say like, okay, this week's challenge like is going to favor the brain tribe do with that what you will or like it's going to be a challenge that favors like the more social players with those weird like like superlative challenges that they do where they're like who's most annoying stuff like that like I think there's other really cool dynamic ways either through challenges or specific types of advantages that you could incorporate the theme that when the theme is just the initial divide and then they throw it away like it just feels really lazy to me as far as the overall structure of the season like it just it's kind of meaningless and then, like, I get what you're saying about trying to carry the theme over. The issue why they can't always do it is because, like, what's a challenge that's going to be like, this is for the healers? Like, what part of, like, their breakdown will be like, this will favor the healer? Like, I just don't... Oh, no, I hear, I, I I hear you there. Yeah, I, I just don't you. understand how it would carry on more so. Because I think the themes nowadays have just been how you got your initial tribe breakdown. And, like, I would like it to see it continued on throughout as well. I just don't know a way for that to happen, you know? I think the answer to that is pick a theme that's actually a theme and not a divide. Yeah. Because you can divide people within a theme, Mm -hmm. but you can't make the divide the theme. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just said something about, like, Fraser's bronze versus beauty. I'm like, well, what would the beauty favor challenge be? A makeover challenge? No, I just said it would be like, because we talked about how they were like the social players. So you could make it more social challenge. Themes that, themes that do well, like the first one that comes to mind is like one of the first kind of theme, which was Pearl Islands. The theme was like pirates and like being pirates. And it was like, okay, go steal something from somebody's camp. And that's like a perfect way to keep like infusing pirate stuff throughout and like it yeah I, I agree I think when the theme is based on a concept rather than people it it has a better shot of succeeding my thought is like I know we talked about at the reunion Jeff just brings up this idea of secrets and like that was the theme and it's like no it wasn't Jeff you said nothing about that but maybe that could have been how you tied the, the heroes healers hustlers thing together like I don't know what it could be but like they all have secrets that's how they were successful you know what I mean? Like hustlers have to keep secrets in order to like get where they need to go. Heroes, some healers sometimes have to keep secrets from their patients or whatever it is like, or from other people in order to get the things they need. Like you could have tied the idea of secrets in and then your theme was secrets and the tribe divisions was heroes, healers, hustlers, but we didn't do that. We made a different choice. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the best executed theme for sure. Um, but let's talk about some of the twists and the first. And honestly, I mean, it's funny because there were like a ton of advantages, but I don't think there were like a ton of noteworthy first, really. I mean, I think we're going to talk about the fire making challenge as a big first, but this, just to go ahead and name some others, um, there was a vote blocker. There was an extra vote. There was a super idol that, you know, you found the clue while maroon, marooning, and then you could only um, use it in the first vote. And if you weren't going to tribal, then you would give it to someone else that was going to tribal. And then the regular idol clues were etched in the trees. So I think that was just a little different. <laughs> it wasn't like digging something up. It was just like being observant pretty much. Honestly, I don't have a ton for those two, but if anyone has any thoughts about the advantages, feel free before we talk about the bigger first. My thing that I liked about the advantages was that it was never just like, you can get this and then keep it forever until it's best suited for you. There was like a time limit on that. 
for most of them. I feel like the producers were trying to get away from what happened to Sari in Game Changers, where everybody just held on to everything. And then, like, it all just happened. I brought this up, and it's controversial yet brave. I think hidden immunity idols are kind of ruining Survivor. And I think it's the sheer amount of them. Aggie brought up the idea there should be one on each tribe's original beach and then one at the merge and that's it. The game becomes too much about having a hidden immunity idol and instead of playing socially, it's kind of like, well, you don't need to outwit people if you just find a hidden immunity idol. And so I think this season, not just because they all came to Ben, but just because there were so many advantages and so many hidden immunity idols, it kind of was like, is this a game of outwitting each other? Or is this a game of running around and who can get the hidden immunity idol first? And so I think the producers are taking away what made the show originally so much fun to watch. That reminds me so much of um, this interview that, of all people, Adam Klein did. But he basically said exactly that. And if I if I may quote it, I think it just sums it up perfectly. He says, you know, I'm not one of those people who says survivors should go back to basics. I understand idols and twists will always be a part of the game. And in small doses, those things can make for thrilling television. But survivors recent focus on fancy trinkets over its characters has become a crutch. There have been 72 hidden immunity idols between season 30 through 40, the majority of them from the past five seasons. That's on top of extra votes and vote steals and legacy advantages and idol nullifiers and now fire token spoiler alert. It would be nice to see the show scale back on the advantages somewhat as we enter the next era, at least limit the number of idols per season. Idol plays are so frequent now, especially in the end game, that they become boring in their predictability. When I think of the best and most dramatic vote-offs of the past couple of years, I think of, I don't want to say them because I don't want to spoil anything if we haven't gotten there yet. But he says them and he says, neither of these votes required idols or advantages, just great gameplay from smart castaways. And then I couldn't find his quote about the fire making challenge that gets introduced in this season, but- I found, you, I found a quote if you wanna. The, yes, please. Um, so winner Adam Klein said, commented after the winner was announced, super happy for the winner who played their heart out. That being said, if that twist happened in my season, I would have come in fourth place most likely. Players should be able to plan out their own end game and know the basic format of the game that they play. And something else, he said something like Survivor needs to stop introducing advantages that are going to captivate an extra 10,000 people and get back to what initially captivated millions of people. And I thought that was such a good way to put it. Like they're, they're really, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's alienating a lot of people because the, the reason, you know, diehard fans fell in love with it isn't for what it is now. Yeah. I think really since, um, what was it? Second chances. I feel like that's when we started maybe seeing more idols yeah. and things like that. I was just going to say, Stacey, I feel like our group really overall liked second chances, but I felt like there was a very fine line we were walking, right? We said, we were like, there's a lot going on here. And maybe because they were second time players, it was less annoying, but I found it to be very frustrating this season. I was like, why is Ben getting an idol back every time? I don't, I was just like, oh my God, like we get it. The idols exist. Now, now every time you play one there, you immediately get another chance at it. Like it, it just got exhausting. Like shout out Adam Klein for being the voice of reason for the whole Survivor franchise. Like shout out to you, sir. 
Yeah, and it also just that many idols being found, it does make me think about what Missy told us that like she searched for idols all the time. And then like 10 minutes later, someone would be like, how did you not see that idol? And she was saying like producers are dropping them, like, just like <laughs> when someone they want to find one is like heading out to look. Like she was saying they're not all there, like from you know the start and then never moved or never. Um, that's I thought it was interesting that Lauren finding that advantage in the nails. She was like, and I've looked in this nail bag before. So I don't know. Even that, I'm like, was it not there before? And they added it. Like, I just can't trust anything anymore <laughs> with some of this. The editing in this season too, it was super interesting because in the beginning, especially I think pre-merge, they were really painting Joe as like this incredible idol hunter. He reminded me a lot of, of Tony and they, it was almost like they were making him look like this like super idol finder. And then contrasting that with how, how Ben's idol finds were depicted, whereas Joe is like scrambling through the jungle Ben you know they put a sepia filter on it and call it early morning like maybe that maybe that's true maybe it's not (laughs) but like I yeah I I think that that to me is what was tricky about how like Ben ended up getting the notoriety of like super idol finder but in the beginning that person was Joe and then they were like okay this isn't working we got to switch it Yes. And Anna, I know you're very into like production type things. So do you have any thoughts on this? I definitely agree with what everyone's saying. And I I keep wishing that they do a season someday where they just get rid of all idols, all advantages and tell no one so that like people are still looking for stuff, but no one can find anything. But I will say as a follow-up to what we saw in Game Changers, where there were a couple different instances when like, and maybe this is just how it was edited, but I thought it looked pretty genuine where we would see someone walk past something and not see it. And then the next person would be like, no, I'm more observant. I found it. And so I liked the times where that was part of it here, where like it would be an etching on a tree and sure, maybe that wasn't there from the start. Maybe they added it, you know, after the fact to further someone more than someone else. But I like the idea that it's there to be noticed. And truly, I don't care how hard you look. Some people are just not that observant (laughs) and they're not that detail oriented. Um, I myself like to think I'm one of those people. So I'm like, I like it because I think that really no matter how hard you're looking for an idol, either you're someone who sees those things or you're not. And so maybe it's partially the editing and maybe it's partially the producers putting certain things down like later in the game. But I still think certain people are more prone to finding that stuff than others. I I feel like I went into this episode trying to like play detective and almost like give Ben the benefit of the doubt of like, how would this have been possible to do it on this mass scale? And I think like some of the things that jumped out to me would be like the the first one, the first idol he found when he was reading that letter from his wife. I think the immunity idol was probably up in the tree that whole time, but then they threw the rock down in his path of where they knew he'd be coming. So it was like part of it was there, but the rock placement that was yet to be decided. And then like the tree thing was weird because I was like, there's no way you can etch something that fast. But then the last one he found when it was on the like the raft he was sitting on, that almost looked to me because they kind of show him like scratching it off. So that almost looked more like a stamp maybe so like I I didn't zoom in on this or anything but like I wonder if it was like in if it was carved into the tree or like if it was a stamp and somebody was then able to like run up and just be like 
and then you know that that's the kind of stuff that I that like kept me kept me guessing the four tree etching ones I felt like were pretty legit the one that really got my goat if you will was the one on the raft I was like no it felt like they were interviewing him of being like are you sure you like are done looking and him just sitting there like with his head like buried in his hands being like I just can't find it and like while his eyes are down them just being like one thousand percent that was the one that really pushed me over the edge just like it made me so angry because you know like after talking with missy and talking with bryce past survivor players they both Mm -hmm. have said like yeah the producers take you to a certain place to do a confessional and so they took ben (laughs) directly to the immunity idol yeah like what what (laughs) Like there, I would like to talk to production and hear their argument as to how they didn't interfere with Ben. Cause bitch, your receipts are all over this season. Like, I, I only thought there was like, if, cause it seemed like he searched for that one. It seemed like, <laughs> uh, it seemed like he searched for that one for a long time and he was kind of taking breaks. And I was like, well, maybe if he kept taking breaks on this raft between breaks three and four is when they stamped that thing on. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's such a stretch that it's like in order for all of these things to happen so perfectly. <laughs> exactly. It, I can believe one. I can believe two. I can't believe all three plus a fire making twist. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just too many at once. But okay, speaking of the fire making twist, I mean, I think we can go ahead and talk about it now as a twist because it's a first and it is, you know, Jeff said at the end, it's going to continue. Aggie, you're good with like the details. So do you want to explain like how the twist came about or how they found out? Yes, I can. I can explain it, Stace, because I took lots of notes. But okay, so Chrissy wins immunity. Jeff at the immunity challenge, the most ridiculous immunity challenge, by the way, the letters and like having to lock in your thing was so stressful and everyone kept fucking it up. And I was like, we, the three of us were sitting on the couch like, oh my God, oh my God, oh no. And Jeff was like, okay, once you do that, there's an advantage. But basically it read, you will get to pick one person to bring with you. The other two will make fire in order to earn the third spot. That's it. And they didn't tell Ben in the hopes that Ben would somehow be bad at making fire. Even though the morning he went to his sepia toned hike, he made fire before he went to do it. That was a nice moment for Ben. I was like, you didn't have to make fire for everybody before you went to search for an idol and you did. Um, So I was like, I think that's naive to think that Ben can't make fire, but like go off. Anyway, I like the idea of trying to prove your worthiness of being in the final three, but I think it's a little unfair that the jury watches that because that's going to stick out in the jury's mind when they're voting and when they're thinking about like questions they want to ask. They didn't get to see Chrissy hustle the fuck through that challenge to win final immunity and get that advantage. Like they didn't see that. No one saw that. And she had to work so hard to get that immunity. And I do think it made them be like, oh, Ben is good at this game. And it's like, I'm so- he made fire. What? I completely agree. I wish it were like, you had to make fire to earn your spot in the final three, but it was like all four of you make fire and whoever is last to make fire or like you win final immunity, you get to go. And then the other three make fire and whoever the two are earn their spots. Cause I like the concept of earning your spot, but I agree. It's a little rough that then that's the last thing that the jury remembers And I haven't settled on what I think alternate timing would be. Like, do we put it at final five and make it like a thing? And I think right now, the only option in my mind would to be, be say, you win final immunity, you go to final three, and then the rest of you compete to avoid the tiebreaker. 
that inevitably happens, but to still say you have to earn your spot. One of you won immunity and earned it. The others have to make fire. Uh, all right. So I think one of my issues with this twist is that it happened this season. And I think because it just felt again, that it was for Ben and like Jeff had even had to go on record and be like, this was planned from the very beginning. We were always going to do this. It wasn't for Ben. And I'm like, okay, but none of us believe you. I think we may have different feelings about this twist if it wasn't this season. Oh, I have so many, I have so many thoughts. I do believe that this has been in their back pocket on the, you know, the, the board of possibilities for a while, probably for a few seasons. I do think that they pulled this out because they wanted Ben to go further. I, I just, if this was always a twist you were going to introduce, you should have announced it at the previous season's reunion. Uh, yeah, I think, it, and it's, it's weird too, because this is the only season since they introduced it that they have this added element of it being a surprise to the players. When you guys get to season, <laughs> season 38, I think that is the most interesting instance of this twist. Um, but overall, like, I don't like it. I, I really like when there's special things that don't happen all the time. So when there is a tie at this stage in the game and they have to go to fire because it's a tie, I find that special. I like that. When you have to go to rocks, that is special. That's fun. Um, this just makes it not special and fun because it it happens every time now. And yeah, I think it just going back to what we were talking about earlier, like it just takes away from a part. Like I, I see the reason of like, it kind of sucks to play such a good game that you're penalized for it. That doesn't seem fair, but to the, but to everyone else's point, like part of playing a good game is managing your threat level and, you know, we have seen really huge threats make it to the end. Like, Wu taking Tony. What? In what world? Does that make sense? But, like, it happened. So it is possible to be, like, a Ben-level player. And I don't say that being like, oh, my God, Ben's such a good player. But, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? But, like, to be a Ben and still make it to the final three, final two, like, it has been done and it is possible. So, it, yeah, it just, if I don't, I don't like it. I don't think they'll ever get rid of it just because it doesn't feel like that's, like, it, you know, them doubling down by, like, introduce introducing the fire tokens and winners at war I, I just feel like they're so far down the rabbit hole of like we're building a society like <laughs> you know it's just not for me I agree that I liked when it just went to a tie to fire making because of a tiebreaker those were like my favorite episodes in the past it's strange because this time it was a surprise but like now other seasons know it's going to happen so it's just I wish even if it was to be a surprise this time then I wish that Chrissy would have just like had to wait until that tribal to open it and read it right then. And like nobody knew about it till right then. And then she's on the spot to decide like it probably would have been the same people she took. But like, I don't know. I just didn't like how it was kind of a surprise, but not exactly. So it was interesting. <laughs> but all right, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about gameplay. I don't know if you all have strong feelings on gameplay. Um, I think things that stood out to me um, were just like some of the pairs from the very beginning. So I just like listed some of the pairs. Um, so Ryan and Devin, you know, I feel like it was kind of an unlikely pair, but they were very close from the start. Cole and Jessica, you know, kind of takes me back to Figtails a little bit <laughs> because they had, I don't, I don't know, like 
was kind of romantic, but Jessica was like, I'm actually still trying to play the game. <laughs> and like, he's not very good at it. So it just seemed like he was honestly holding her back. Um, and then with Ben and Chrissy, I just thought it was interesting that they did pair up pretty early on, but then like they had some rough patches too. And I feel like by the end of it, they were not really on good terms. Joe and Dr. Mike, AKA coconuts. And just what an interesting, like situation that was I don't know Joe to me is pretty interesting because he was playing really hard at the beginning but then it just kind of backfired so any thoughts just on any of those pairings I know like for example Aggie I know you're always about finding like a strong two so I don't know did any of those two pairs stand out to you I you guys know I do think you need to have a person that you trust I do I just I think you do um even with the shifting alliances shit that has been going on in the past few seasons the clusters of trust to quote my queen Hannah. Like, I think there's a lot to be said for having one person that you can really trust. And I think the person in this game who got that was Ryan because he had a really strong relationship with Devin and had a really strong relationship with Chrissy. He had then to decide which one he wanted to kind of like stick with. And he chose Chrissy over Devin, but I think Ryan was good at that. And I also like shout out to Ryan for making us me think he wasn't a goat by final tribal. He did a really nice job of explaining how he did have strategy. But I think Ryan and Devin was a really interesting pairing because they were two people you would not have thought to align, similarly to Ryan and Chrissy. And I think that is an example of where those advantages did what the production, what production wanted to happen, right? Like production wanted the advantages to be used to create alliances because you used the secret to get you further. And Ryan was good at that. He planted the seed. He was like, if Chrissy gets this, I think she'd be loyal to me because of it. I think Ryan gets like a bad rap because he kind of, his game started strong and just kind of, it was an interesting season in terms of alliances or like, who are we going to move around and how are we going to think about it? Because you could tell clearly all of these players did come with like a plan which is not true of every season, but I think Ryan was probably the best at that and had the strongest like one-on-one like loyal relationships. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, did anyone have thoughts on Cole and Jessica? When I saw the episode title, My Kisses Are Very Private, I was like, what the actual fuck? And then when I saw it all, go, I was just like, I, yeah, I hate, I hated every second of it. Like, I don't know that I've ever been a fan of like any showmans, but this one in particular was just like the cringiest of cringe. Oh God. Just like when he would say things like, I don't know. I don't remember how to talk to pretty girls. It's like, Oh my God. Like I want to die. It was funny when, when Cohen Cole was like, I may have said something to Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He couldn't keep a secret for sure. Anna, any thoughts? So I, The alliance that I actually found the most fascinating, which we didn't mention here, was all of the chatter of like the seven. And then when the seven became the four, and then when they were like, hey, Ben, be a double agent. And then like Ben was being his double agent. And then they were like, well, maybe we should turn on Ben. And Ben was like, wait a minute, they're going to turn on me. I thought that was fascinating to watch. 
that, that's where like you know I think this, this game obviously was rigged for Ben but I think to be fair like you do have a couple moments where Ben does have good strategic gameplay and I think his ability to suss out and part of him sussing out was like hiding behind a tree but like whatever works was the ability to suss out like okay the tide has turned mm-hmm. you know which I think we've seen some people naively like believe their alliance until the end and he was kind of able to pick up on when he needed to to switch it up um let's see i wanted to see if there were any other pairs i wanted to talk about the coconuts <laughs> yeah the coconuts i just i you know joe i feel like came in too strong he had that one episode where he basically like through desi's game down the drain with along with his own like he just and then he had those moments where he's like i'm just gonna be so annoying that they'll like keep me because they know i have no chance or something i was just like you're doing too much like you're just trying to do too much right now. the instagram page survivor memes i highly recommend everybody goes follow they're great but there's the picture of tony and it was like when you order it online and then a picture of joe when it shows up and i was like that is iconic and exactly what Joe is. He wanted to play Tony's game, but couldn't and just didn't. Like he wanted to be the Tony and he was not. I love though when they started to be the Coconuts team because you could tell that they were leaning into like the comic relief roles, (laughs) which I feel like you didn't get as much with Tony because he was so like serious about what he was doing that like I don't think he realized how nonsensical he seemed on tv i think mike and joe were like ha we're still here i feel like at that point they were both kind of like we're not winning let's make the best of it they're just like screw it we're here did did you guys happen to read ryan's um entertainment weekly survivor quarantine interview no. oh my god it's one of my favorites he yeah and so like and i all maybe i'll get into the the meat of it the next segment but i wanted to bring up like one of the questions is like who do you still talk to him and ben are like best friends they go on a camping trip together every year they text all the time and they have a weekly phone call and then he also said that um him and Devin t- like text pretty regularly and then occasionally he catches up with Joe and Mike and so I thought it was interesting that like those that group is kind of still they still kind of talk um oh he also talks to Patrick which like <laughs> lol uh but that Chrissy wasn't in that mix I I, would, I definitely when we get to the next next part I want to talk more about that because it's really interesting yeah I need to read that yeah I mean that is interesting and I think that's one other thing with gameplay that kind of stood out to me is like they brought up in Final Tribal that women won eight out of the nine immunity um, competitions I think and I just feel like when and Aggie are you here for this because I feel like this goes into your oh I have feelings (laughs) but I feel like when when men win a ton of immunity challenges it's like a huge respectable thing like it's such a huge thing I mean we talk about Ozzy and Joe and just all all these people but like I don't I just to me I was like if that's something you respect how come it's not also talked about so much with the women with Chrissy and like Desi won one who was it Lauren won one and then maybe Ashley I like I feel like we had a lot of very physically strong women I don't but somehow like they were still at the bottom in my mind like I mean even the people you just listed that Ryan still talks to I'm like I mean why is he just talking to like all the men like I just I don't know Pat why are you talking to Patrick no offense but why so I don't know that's my thoughts can I push back a little 
because I think in final it's my birthday, but fine. I love you. I love you, and I worship the ground you walk on. But I'm gonna push back on you. In final tribal, every person on the jury talked about how Chrissy was amazing in challenges. So, like, I think she got that recognition in the game i don't know what's happening outside of the game with the men just hanging out with the men but i will say in the game i do think she got the recognition that she deserved she didn't get the win she should have gotten the win but everybody was like you were the best in all the challenges you crushed it so i mean i feel like ashley was really the one pointing it out a ton like i don't know that the guys would have pointed it out is my thing i guess like i don't I don't think JP or what's his name? Cole, like, I don't think they would have pointed it out. I think they had to like speak up for each other, but I don't know. I mean, did JP or Cole have an original thought? I maybe don't think so, (laughs) but here's my take on it. I think people gave her props, but they didn't vote for her. They said, hey, really awesome job. You won four immunities. That's incredible. And then Jeff was like, oh, by the way, eight out of nine immunities, or maybe Chrissy said it were won by women. And then- None of them respected her enough to vote for her, except for Ashley and someone else. I don't remember Mike. who the And Mike. So while they did recognize it, they didn't use it as a reason to vote for them, which we did see a shift a little bit of that in season 34. Like we didn't vote for Brad Culpepper to win, but that was because his social game was also weak. But Chrissy had strong social game, won for immunities, meaning she's tied for the most a woman has won. And they still didn't vote for her. It's just an interesting thought. Something so weird keeps happening to me. Where like, I keep finding myself wanting to defend Ben. And I don't know why. (laughs) Because I 100% believe that this season was rigged. And I don't even really like Ben that much. Like, if you listen to the episodes Ashley and I did about Winners at War, you will hear me shit on Ben a ton. But now that we're talking about Chrissy winning challenges, like, I think it's fair to say that, like, her biggest, I mean, she was really good at a lot of stuff, but the thing that I think she was best at is puzzles. And there were like a fuck ton of puzzles. So to be fair, like if they really did want to, I mean, again, it was rigged, but maybe they were like, oh, this one thing we have to be sly about. Mm-hmm. you know they the the challenges certainly I think played pretty well to Chrissy's strengths of of puzzling on the topic of challenges just a very quick random thing for the loved ones episode uh I was watching this with my husband Matt and what the fuck was that that okay, wasn't so, a challenge no, no, so so I yeah 100 it was super weird when they they had to draw the same colored marble out of the bag he <laughs> Matt my husband Matt was like what must have happened is they had something set up and it didn't work out like it got fucked up and they had to do this this had to have been a plan b and i think that had had to have been it no nothing related but just like that was the weirdest thing i've ever seen (laughs) one of the funniest things i've ever watched because i was just like this is not it this is not the challenge right no it was the challenge i was like oh it was very yeah i know i thought it was like because i turned away for a second and i was like is this just to see who goes first or something and then i was like oh no this is it like this is Weren't you expecting it to be rigged for Ben and his wife to win? And it wasn't. So good for them. So originally, Steve and I thought it was going to be that you purposefully picked a color. And it was like, how in sync are you with your loved one? Like, if I pick black, am I going to pick black again? No, it was purely chance. I was like, there's literally no strategy at all. 
Okay, well, those are just some thoughts on gameplay. Um, and we, I think we already covered, you know, Ben playing the idols. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Final Tribal. So we had Chrissy, we had Ryan, and we had Ben. So any thoughts, you know, this was also the second tribal, final tribal, where it's like the more open discussion format, but you are covering those three, like, outwit, outplay, outlast categories. So any thoughts either on questions the jury asked or what the players said to defend themselves? When you guys were talking about has Cole ever had an original thought, I my immediate thought was I loved how he used his jury time solely to like defend his food hogging. And he was like, I mean, yeah, I had my fair share of peanut butter, but, but Ben, can you just clear my name? Can you clarify that like you exaggerated that for your benefit? And it's like, I watched you eat an entire cinnamon stick, bro. Like that's not normal, but that's, beside the point I think ultimately like one of the issues that both Chrissy and Ryan ran into at Tribal is they spent too much time disparaging the other when they should have been focused on Ben it's a it's a shame but you know I think Chrissy was more more well spoken but maybe didn't necessarily read the room as well and to to the point that you were making uh I think one of her best lines that was just fell on deaf ears was you know as a mom I'm a hero hustler and a healer and I, I was like man if she had a jury of like 10 moms that million dollars would have been hers but like I don't really think anybody cared even Lauren who is a mom I I think there's just some missteps in like reading the room and like what people wanted to hear Mm -hmm. I don't know I think to piggyback off of that and one of my issues with Chrissy was that she took a lot of the game to too much of a personal level both in her own perception of her real life and how that impacted her stance in the game, but also the way that she was interacting with the other players. Like, I think she misconstrued being a social person and having a social game because it comes up in Final Tribal, right? Where she's like, I know like this and this about Joe's childhood. And like, I know that like, this isn't what actually happened, but like, to me, it was the equivalent of being like, I know your middle name. And I think it was Ryan who pointed out, like, you're just spewing facts at this point. Like, that's not necessarily getting to know someone or being strategic in the game. That's just like socializing. And I think similarly to what you just raised about how she was like, I'm a mom and as a mom, you have to be a hero and a hustler and a healer. But like, what does that have to do with how you played Survivor? Like, I do think the point she was trying to make was like, I'm used to doing all three. So like, I could be all three in the game. But to me, it wasn't like a direct translation. I think Chrissy personified some of the things that I've had problems with other people in the past, which is like being too social and not realizing that what you're doing is not playing the social game and also putting more stock into just winning challenges than I think it's worth. Like it was the issue that we all had with Mike. And I think ultimately it's what didn't win Brad game changers Mm -hmm. is that collectively we've been like, yeah, it's really impressive, but we need to know that you've done other things. It also felt like the jury could not move past the fact that the four of them, and I include Devin in this, let Ben get those idols. And I think, you know, Chrissy and Ryan's defense of that, of like, well, we tried, you know, Desi was the one that she was like, four of you, one of him, it doesn't add up. Because, you know, even if Chrissy or (laughs) Ryan were to sit up there and say, like, we scoured the island, production placed them, obviously, that's going to get edited out. You know what I mean? Aside from like, oh, I'm bringing you to an interview where nobody else is allowed to go. Like, yeah, they should have 
there should have been somebody around the clock watching him. And I, that seemed to me like the one thing that they could not get over. And not only that, but like, you didn't take him out earlier. That's on you. It almost seemed like they weren't, it wasn't so much that they were voting for Ben, but they were voting against the others for allowing Ben to get there. I agree with that. I think the bickering between Ryan and Chrissy lost them points because I think Chrissy did have a strong case. And I actually thought her speech was really good. She should have added, you need to think about who played the best game in this season of Heroes, Healers, and Hustlers. Mm -hmm. I think if she brought a thesis conclusion statement in, she could have made it work. But because she said it and then didn't tie it back to like, I did all the hero healer hustlers thing. So give me the million dollars associated with heroes, healers and hustlers. I think it would have been a stronger end. Like the period at the end of that sentence. Again, I may, I maybe just don't like Ben as a person. (laughs) I, I find him a little abrasive. And I do think now that I'm thinking about it, it does feel like parts of it were rigged for him, but it also feels like parts of it were rigged for Christy, like to win immunities almost like everyone was a puzzle. And we didn't have some of those like, as long, like super tiring ones that are more physical at the end. We had swim through, get a key off a thing and then do a literal puzzle that's on your phone to like sort the water, you know what I mean? But with, with marbles. And so I do think there was a little bit of potential bias towards both of them, to be perfectly honest. Ben read the room better in that he was like, they're going to sink their own shit. So I'm going to let them fight it out. And then I'll tell them about my, a little bit of my sob story because that does get you points regardless of whether or not you like it, it seems to be a successful strategy. And so I think Ben in Final Tribal did a better job of kind of explaining his point. And I also did like that I don't feel like anyone on the jury was like campaigning for someone, which I kind of appreciated. I I did like that no one was like, hey, I'm definitely voting this way. Mm. So I'm just going to only comment on one person's thoughts and feelings. To your point about campaigning, there was that moment at the end, though, when Ben said his piece about, if I put you on the jury, I'm sorry. (laughs) And then I think two people, I think it was Cole and either Mike or Joe, they were like, wait a minute, you don't want that to be your answer. Try again. (laughs) That was weird. (laughs) Yeah, it was all, it was frustrating. Everyone here knows that I hate when people use outside lives to convince the jury. Stacey has let me know that it is just a common theme that is probably going to be happening for the rest of Survivor, which will continue to piss me off. And I will bring it up every time we talk about Final Tribal because I don't give a flying fuck if you have PTSD. You do not deserve a million dollars for being a veteran. You do not deserve a million dollars because you want it for your family. Everyone who has ever played Survivor wants a million dollars for their fucking family. Give me a new reason. I do not care. I will not respect your gameplay and it will tarnish your win for me. My bigger frustration was Ben was done. He was done talking and the jury was like, nope, talk again. And Jeff, let that happen. It just goes back to production, not even hiding the fact that they want Ben to win. I agree that Chrissy and Ryan and the four of them should have kept a better eye on Ben, but like, would it have mattered? Would it have mattered or would have production just given him an idol when he went to do his cutaways like they did with the raft at the one tribal when Ben played his third idol in a row and Devin just like looked at him like, are you kidding me? I truly feel in that moment, Devin and Chrissy and Ryan were like, there's no way we're winning this game. Mm -hmm. In my heart of hearts, I know that they realize that they are not winning this game. They were very defeated. 
it says something that like the production doesn't want you to win so bad. Yes, but at the same time, to be fair, it also bothered me that Devin's flint broke and he took it as a sign that he should be using his time to nap instead. Devin maybe should have not done that. I agree, but also like, I don't think he should have had to make fire in the first place. 100%. Like, surprise. I agree. It was also but... hilarious because in the beginning of the episode, that I was- I knew what you're going to say. <laughs> they showed him making it. fire, right? In the morning. He made fire so quickly. <laughs> Yeah, it was so shadowing. Yeah, I let's go back and just talk about a few players that I kind of skipped over. One, I was going to say this at the beginning too in my one minute thoughts, but I I feel like it's so this is why reality TV is so like conflicting. I mean, I'm going through it with The Bachelor too, but like I always say I like the later seasons, but like are they getting wider (laughs) or is it just me? (laughs) Because I'm like, I think there, I'm not going to say the exact number because then I'll be wrong, but there were not many people of color. And the reason I bring that up is that Alan was, was kind of getting the crazy black man edit at the beginning. Um, I will say, I mean, he was being quite paranoid, it seemed, but I just hated that. It's just, I mean, I say it almost every time. It's so overdone that like they spent, they give a lot of airtime. I guess to me, it's like, even if he was being pretty paranoid, can you just like maybe not show it? He's really not that relevant to the season anyway. Like, can you show some other conversations? Because honestly, it was, um, even with Michaela, she kind of didn't like fig tales. And then she got like the, you know, why is she like coming for us edit? And Alan got that with JP and Jessica. So I'm just like, can we move on? Anyway, so that's one noteworthy player we wanted to go back and talk about. Honestly, he wasn't that noteworthy. It was just that the same storyline just continues. It just keeps happening. Yeah, that that bothered me too. And his gameplay almost reminded me a lot of like a little bit of a Sandra where she's trying to plant the seeds of doubt and in in some for some people that's heralded and in some people you're crazy and I I think one really glaring example of this was at no point did Lauren play with Alan but once they did the tribe swap they're in the water and they're kind of comparing notes and it's it's very quick and it's very quiet they're talking about like oh who's who's this person on your tribe and Lauren says Alan looks like he could be a hothead and yeah I heard why that. is that why do you th- why, like you know nothing about him you have not seen him in any tribal you have not seen him at a camp mm-hmm. he didn't really do anything over the top in challenges so why do you think that Lauren Yes, I noticed that too. I was like, all right, then let's just start off with our assumptions. And I also felt like with him, while he was potentially being very paranoid, I also started to wonder what are producers asking him about that made him potentially feel more paranoid? Did he bring it up or did they plant a seed of like doubt in his mind? And then from there, he went to that place that made him seem a little bit crazy. Because I think at the end of the day, it's interesting, right? He didn't get voted out that day. And so I was like, it just feels a little bit like you're trying to get both the viewer not to like him and the other people on his tribe not to like him. Just looking at it with a different lens, it just felt a little bit underhanded. That's true. That episode also with Alan doing all that stuff was literally called, I mean, it was a phrase he said, but it was called, I'm not crazy, I'm confident. And I'm like, 
I mean, we don't have to use crazy, like we don't need to use that as the title. <laughs> like that was one portion of the episode. I feel like they could have found something else. But okay, Laura, I think you wanted to talk more about Ryan, right? Any other thoughts on Ryan? Yeah, so Ryan definitely didn't necessarily do anything for me watching this season live. But like I mentioned, he did one of those Entertainment Weekly Survivor Quarantine interviews. And the headline is Ryan Ulrich says time after the show was quote lowest point of my life. And um, they kind of ask the same questions every week. And some people are like, yeah, it was fine coming back. And some people are like, yeah, it was really hard. Ryan had a fucking time. He said, you know, he was so skinny. We literally saw his heart beating through his chest during the season. He said that, um, you know, the month after he got home, he gained 30 pounds. So he was 18 pounds heavier than his starting game weight. He had broken a toe. Uh, two of his teeth were impacted. So he had to get them pulled. He had an ETI. His hair was thin and the eyesight in his right eye had changed. And he also had some neuropathy in his foot, which had subsided. So he was like really, really beat up. And then the the thing that he was talking about was like, it, he just felt so alone in not knowing what the, the vote was going to be and not being able to talk about it. And he, he talked about how he was such a super fan and this like ruined it for him. It was like the number one thing that brought him joy. And like, he no longer had that because when he would feel depressed, Survivor was like his outlet and his escape. And then this was like taken away from him because it was like all he could think about because he, he was just like really going through it after the show. So it, he says, you know, like, losing survivor hurt so much because it meant so much it was the love of my life and it broke me (laughs) so vulnerable and moving and I just I I just I I really appreciated the honesty and I I think there's like a lot of conversations especially I mean like Ryan's a white man don't get me wrong but I think there's a lot of conversations especially in like the you know the diversity campaign of survivor is like giving more support especially to people of color post season you know right now I think they get like a 30 minute phone call with a psychologist and it's like it it really like I mean I don't know it sounds like some people do fine but like in Ryan's case it sounds like he needed a lot of help and didn't have the resources so I thought that was notable again like he didn't do a ton for me (laughs) in Mm -hmm. the season um I think like his outfits were funny but (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is very vulnerable though just kind of share all of that and how it really ruined it for him and that I mean it is one of those things where even Chrissy mentioned I think in the reunion maybe but she was like sometimes because I know she applied like 16 times and it's like sometimes you get so into something but it's like again even us like we're talking about this just viewing it but like would it be different to live it and then maybe see behind the curtain see things are not as great as they seem and then like lose that you know that um like coping and not to sound too much like a counselor but lose that like coping mechanism you know and realize like oh no this is actually traumatic for me now so that is sad and I hope one day maybe he can have a healthy relationship with it again (sighs) okay I think Aggie did you want to talk about Lauren really quickly before we talk about our honorable mention Really quickly, just because I do think she needs to be brought up and we haven't said much about her. And I think she had a pretty significant role in this season. I agree with who our honorable mention is. It's coming. So let me just pepper in some feels about Lauren. I do think Ben got to take a lot of credit for other people's things. It wasn't his idea to become the four. Lauren like saw it. She was like, the seven's not going to work. I think we needed to make a four. She very purposefully picked people to bring on that reward. Devin 
was the one who like convinced Ben to be a spy. So like, I just think Ben got to take a credit for a lot of things that weren't entirely his idea. He did participate and he played his role well, but I just think that was like why I think I was frustrated with him also. Cause I was just like, Ben, no, you didn't really do this. You just were there. But anyway, but Lauren, I think she got to a point where <laughs> I think I called this group of castaways a bunch of bozos before the episode started. And I think Lauren got to a point where she was like, you know what? I do need a million dollars for me and my daughter, but at what cost? Cause she had worked so hard. She was like, okay, I made this four plan. We got Ben in on it. He's tricking the others. Like we are set. We are good to go. But then Ben like got freaked out because he heard them talking and saying his name. He didn't even hear them saying like, we want to get Ben out. He just literally heard his name and that sent him in a tailspin. But Lauren set up like what would have been a very strong four. I, if the four, if that four had stuck together, I think I would have liked Ben. Hot take of the episode. But I think Lauren just brought an energy to the game that I wasn't expecting. She started off with a slow, like, who is this girl? Like, what's going on? She was strong in challenges. She recognized Ben as someone who could, she could pull in and then they just need to pull one more. She just like was paying a lot more attention than I gave her credit to. She's the one who found the advantage in the nails, all sorts of stuff. Like she was playing the game. And then I think she just got to a breaking point where she was like, stop. Like, okay, fine. I'm going home, I guess. Cause Ben played an idol. And she gave half of her idol to Mike as a sign of like trust. And then he threw it in the fire. And she's like, you know what? I will accept my fate. Because this has been a frustrating day. Okay, let's talk about our honorable mention very quickly. Um, I jotted a few thoughts down about him. So our honorable mention for this season was Devin. He came so close to the final three. Um, he couldn't quite <laughs> quite complete the fire challenge, even though, yes, he made it that morning, according to the, the edit. Um, and then when his flint broke and when he was practicing, he just, he just decided to chill. And that might have been a downfall. But... Overall, I feel like he had very good vibes. I feel like he he did not need a vibe check. I think he was very, you know, friendly to people. He was very calm. He was very like, just like grateful to be there kind of. I mean, he was still playing the game, but I just feel like he had a good attitude of like, it is a game though. It's not like the end of the world. Yeah, I thought his one of his smartest moves was to go ahead and vote for Dr. Mike in the, I think it was the final five tribal when... You know, he just had a slight thought that maybe Ben does have an idol. And if Ben writes me down, I'm going home. (laughs) So like, I need to at least just in case kind of um, have some security. So I thought that was very smart. Um, And then, yeah, I think overall he had a great social game too. And I mean, he wasn't hard to look at. (laughs) Let's be real. His face was nice. (laughs) So beautiful. Oh my God. Jeff gushes over this in the, in the, in the finale reunion, him going with his gut and writing Mike's name down because he just has a gut feeling that Ben is going to play an idol is genius. That was very, very smart. And that's even when you just see that, um, the final tribal when Ben is starting to talk about like, yeah, they told me they felt like Chrissy had one and I'm feeling defeated. You can just see Devin like looking over at him. Like, I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> like, I just don't, I still don't know. So I thought it was a good move. There were times where he said things like the fact that he wanted to have Ben play spy, or he was like, do we need to split the votes? Because if Ben plays an idol, we don't know who he's voting for. Cause he's not talking to anybody. So I just think he was smart. He really did like listen and pay attention to things and had more strategy than I low-key expected of him as a surf instructor, TBH, not to be like mean. And then I was like, oh, you actually kind of know what the fuck's going on. Like go off, sir. I have one more note about Devin and it, it might ruin him, but I must state for the record 
he did kiss his mom on the mouth, <laughs> which you guys know. Ew, I missed keeps that. Happening. <laughs> it keeps happening, and the weirdest people always do it. They kiss their parents on the mouth. And Devin kissed his mom on the mouth. Can I just say, for the record, I don't find that so weird. <laughs> it's weird. I don't do it with my parents, but, like, my parents do it with my grandparents. Like, I don't I, find it weird. It's, like, it's a thing. I was about to be like, okay, but it's weird to do it on national TV, but I think it's weirder to intentionally not do it on TV. <laughs> Yeah. You'd be like, oh, this is for private only. (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, like, again, I do not do it. I do not condone it. (laughs) But, like, I don't think it is as weird as we make it out to be. It's literally... I like your use of make it out, but I think... It was the only seen on the mouth, and they haven't seen each other in so long. But we've only seen, like, some weird grown men do it. (laughs) The idea of like my husband kissing his mom's mouth. We saw Mike, Joe, and now Devin. Two of those people are extremely good looking and normal looking. <laughs> but it's also it's it's not just like a nice to see you. It's like this big all encompassing hug. I think she jumped a like she jumped up a little bit. It's the whole also, package for me. Comment down below if you think kissing your loved one on the lips is weird. Let us know in the not comments. Not your loved one. Your parents. Slide in those DMs, daddy. Yeah, I never even noticed it at this time. I wasn't paying as much attention to the loved ones visit this time, which says it all because I usually love them. But well, now I pay attention to see if anyone kisses their parents. (laughs) Anna's like, rewind. (laughs) Did they kiss? (laughs) Okay. Well, let's go ahead. We're winding down. So let's talk about Jeff needing a vibe check, one of our favorite segments now. Um, I'll start because there was one that I did message um, Aggie and Nick about. I wasn't sure if Anna was there yet. Um, And Aggie mentioned it. And it is that when Ben used, like, basically revealed that he did have another idol. I think this was number three, right? He had another idol. He went ahead. He was like, let's get to, let's, what was his phrase? Like, let's get to the point and church this up, which I don't understand. Yeah, he was like, let's go to church with this or something. I was like, ah, uh, like, because we're going to confessional, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And, then, and I was like, I go to church like regularly and I don't get that. But anyway, so he gives it to Jeff. Oh my gosh. Of course, right now, I, I think I have a delivery of flowers, you guys. But Aggie, give your vibe check. I'll be back. I will not take Stacy's vibe check. My Jeff needs a vibe check of this season is during the loved ones visit when Jeff says, everyone's wondering who married you, Mike? let's get her out of here. And I was like, that's rude, Jeff. <laughs> I was like, you didn't, you did not make out like anyone else was weird, too weird to be married, except for Dr. Mike. And while we were all thinking it, Jeff, you're the one who said it out loud. And that needs a vibe check. Laura, do you have one? Yeah, I have one comment and then an overall. And by the way, when I listened to the episode with Ashley, I was dying at you in one of the challenges when you guys were quoting him saying, it's that booty. I was dying. To be clear, it was a mood. Okay. So he said, he, Jeff, I thought, and maybe it's only because I was looking for it, but he just seemed really extra in the pre-merge challenges, like there was a lot of times where like Ben was doing something when Jeff would be like, and that is how you do it. But the one that got me was um, 
in the challenge with the the ball in the wheel that's going around and around joe is or jeff jeff is walking up behind joe don't listen to the sound it wants to seduce you and then immediately joe drops okay but then my second thing is an overall thing is it seemed like jeff had a new catchphrase this season which was anytime he'd be like, I'll give you a minute to strategize, get it on. Or he'd be like, and those are the rules, get it on. He kept saying, get it on in the context of challenges of like, all right, get it on. Like it was just, I've never heard him say that before or I haven't noticed it, but it was like every episode he was working it in. It's so funny that you mentioned that because something that I noticed that he really amped up this season, which- I think we've been like slow burning to is when he introduces what the rewards are the way that he says each food item is like unnecessarily like sexual like he'll be like you want to know what you're playing for <laughs> a cheeseburger ooh, and a set of fries and you're like jeff first of all you've never done this before so it's weird oh my god wait can we uh, maybe in a, maybe this will be like my rapid fire contribution but if you if you listen to the podcast if you, my podcast you know that I love a sponsorship and we need to talk about the Outback Steakhouse oh yes, <laughs> yes. and I, I was going to bring that up but like all of them were like whispering so like and you get chocolate cake. <laughs> chocolate. The thunder from down under. The chocolate thunder from down under. You get some chocolate thunder. It's like ASMR and it's like Jeff. Chicken and Walmart. mashed potatoes. Apple pie. Nice cold <laughs> milk running down your throat. The Outback Steakhouse one was really Jeff needs a hard, hard, hard vibe, Jack. Because you could tell he like, had memorized all the things that he needed to say but also you were just like everything was just so sexualized but the Outback Steakhouse one I was like oh my gosh why are you saying it like this I don't even want to go now Jeff just send me back to camp I I don't want to go to Outback Steakhouse hey say your vibe check I want to hear you describe it okay I'm like yeah I'm like frazzled because it wasn't my flowers it was alcohol which is great but but it was like one of my friends and I was like oh I'm like not presentable I thought it was flowers okay I'm like I'm on a call talking about survivor like this is how I spend my birthday but thank you for the alcohol okay so um it's this it's his second time playing in idol beds and he does the whole like let's go to let's church this up or whatever and he gives it to to Jeff they haven't cast votes yet he's doing this to like intimidate them basically to say like you can't vote for me which that happens like Tony has done that. I think people do that where they go ahead and like put it on their neck. But Jeff, he gave it to him and Jeff said, this is a hidden immunity idol. And I was like very upset <laughs> because I was like, you can't, I thought you couldn't tell them until like after the votes have been cast, this will influence. Now they're not going to vote for Ben. They could, I mean, obviously it wouldn't make a difference if he played it, but there's just something about already knowing, like he knows they're not voting for him. Honestly, he didn't have to play it at that point. Honestly, I mean, he'd already handed it to Jeff. So I guess that's the only point. But I was just so upset because I was like, I'm pretty sure there's a rule that you can't like confirm or deny that an idol is real until like you're officially playing it after the votes have like you can't play an idol till the votes have been cast. I thought. And then you can't confirm or deny it until the votes have been cast. What season was it, Nick, where that happened? Like where someone else tried that? It was worlds apart. But Mike held it up and was like, Jeff, can you verify the validity of this idol? And Jeff was like, no. 
Like he yeah. straight up told us the rule is no, he cannot verify. Maybe it's the handing it to him. This, like, honestly, this season has taught me we need the rule book. Like, how can we get the rule book? <laughs> because maybe it is handing it to him. Then it's like, you've played it. So I can tell you, but I don't think you should, you should be allowed to know beforehand if it's real or not. Again, I think they didn't care because it was Ben and they love Ben. <laughs> so that's my vibe check for Jeff. My only counter to that, because I agree with everything except for they didn't care because it was Ben, solely because, yes, the game was definitely rigged in Ben's favor. But I think in this instance, like, if he was going to play it anyway, it then only benefits the rest of the players and gives them the opportunity to say, okay, let's reconfigure our votes. Yeah. So in that sense, like, yes, it benefits Ben because he got to play his idol before the votes, but also he was going to play it anyway. So really it's benefiting everybody else to let him do so. Yeah. That's um, that was my only counterpoint. No, that's a good point. Cause it is then they just have to reassess like who are going to vote. I just, I don't know what it was this season. I feel like there were so many times where like, like things could have just happened organically, but then something just like ruined it every time. And I was like, can we just play survivor? That's my thing. I don't know. Did everyone else do their Jeff vibe check already while I was (laughs) at the door? Okay. Okay. Then let's go ahead and wrap up with our rapid fire questions. So we'll start with which secret advantage would you want and how would you play it? Anna, what would you say? Oh no, I need Kami first. I don't have one. Um, I think I, I liked the idea behind the super idol for the first vote. And I think that that one, you could make the most out of it as far as turning it into something later in the game. But I also didn't love it because I didn't like the idea that like, if you got it, you couldn't use it at your first tribal council. You had to give it away before you had any idea what was happening in the game. But I think as far as like longevity, it, it was able to have the most callback. So I'd probably pick that one. All right. Um, Aggie, what would you pick? I always think that the extra vote one is a good one. It's just a good one to have. And I would like someone to use it correctly. I think we've seen it used correctly once. Maybe I can be that person. I'm on Survivor and I actually fix and use the extra vote correctly. But I like that there was a second layer to the extra vote is you had to take your own vote from a different tribal and be like sneaky about it, which I appreciated. You don't just get handed an extra vote. You have to, you have to literally steal your own vote. So I think that would be an interesting one to try and get and like play off as like, oh, I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know why the numbers didn't work out or did not up to nine. I don't know. It's weird. That would probably be mine. Um, all right, Laura, what was your, yeah, which advantage would you choose? I truly don't know. Like I'll pick out of a hat. Like it's, yeah, I think you guys made a lot of good points already. Like that I, I, there's nothing that jumped out at me as like, I want this one over the other. I guess I do feel like the, the super idol was the safest plus then you get you get a little necklace to keep around (laughs) um nick what would you choose i mean not to disagree with everybody else but i think the super idol is just like the easiest one to pick and to have because if it is you going to tribal then you can like you get to play it after the vote so essentially if like you or anyone in your alliance gets pulled up you're gonna say no we're done. Mm-hmm. So I think like it's the most powerful and it has the most use out of it. Yeah. And I, I think I would do the extra vote. I just always have liked the idea, especially if it, and I'm honestly confused about how it was supposed to be used, but if it can be just put in the urn. Yeah. And they don't know who it was. I kind of like that just to like mix it up. All right. What about most unexpected producer Easter egg? So like, yeah, just any of the hiding the idol clues, things like that. Well, we'll start with Nick this time. Um, they weren't that sneaky. 
They weren't. They were like, hey, Ben, look in the tree. <laughs> but I will say, I think the spaghetti plate was equal parts funny and also interesting because of the lineup of people, like only one person got to go back at a time. So you didn't know who saw the plate and the way that Ryan was like, I'm just going to put it all on the napkin and get rid of this tray. I wish that Cole was smart enough to do that instead of just putting the pasta on top of the clue. Like, come on, use that tiny little two brain cells, rub them together a little bit more. Yeah, I think that was probably the most interesting to watch. Yeah, I'll just quickly say that was mine too. I just thought it was cool that you have to be observant even when you're eating something. Let's see, Aggie, what was yours? I actually thought it was pretty impressive that they hid one in the nails and Cole just like never saw it. Mm. To me, it was very obvious that it was there, but Mm. apparently not. I just, I like when they put them in unexpected places. I thought that was a good one. I thought it was an interesting place. It's not where I would have thought to put something. <laughs> yes. Um, Laura, what was yours? I also, I loved the spaghetti. And I, I, what I liked about it is when it was revealed, spaghetti is my favorite food. So when it was revealed to me that there was a lineup, I was like, that's bullshit. Because if I was last, I would be, <laughs> spaghetti is my favorite food. So I'd be so pissed off. So I like that it punished the gluttons who were in there, number one and number two, just chowing down, not thinking about anything. Mm-hmm. So I like it was just a nice touch of karma to me. I, the thing that I was cracking with the most is that like never would you see spaghetti on a napkin on top of a plate. Like that was hilarious. <laughs> yes, agreed. Um, Anna, what was yours? Um, I really liked the little idle clue map that was on the trees whether it was a stamp or an etching, whatever it actually was. But I liked it because if you weren't familiar with your map of your camp, you wouldn't realize that the symbol on it was the symbol for your well, as we realized when Joe was like, I don't know what this is, (laughs) and he like needed help. I wish that we as, as the audience had known that, but you know, we got there eventually. But I thought it was clever because again, if you're not perceptive enough to realize, oh, I've seen this symbol before, where have I seen it? What does it mean? you wouldn't necessarily know where to go. So I liked that. Um, Okay, next will be, speaking of the spaghetti, what position would you want to be in the spaghetti eating reward? I would say first, honestly. I just, I would like to eat it, not real, like no one knows exactly how much was there. So I think I would, I would say first. Lara, it's your favorite food. So what would you choose? It's my, it's my, oh God, I think I'm, I'm gonna have to have it tonight. It didn't look like that amazing of spaghetti though. The meat sauce was super questionable. There were no meatballs. God, that's hard. Yeah, you kind of want to say first because the nobody can call you on your bullshit then. I also, maybe the middle because that feels like a safe place to be of like you can see what's been done and then make an adjustment. Yes, I certainly wouldn't want to be. And then because somebody who, who was it that said they were like, I would have liked to go last because then I could just eat whatever's left over. I don't know. Yeah, I'll I'll take I'll take either first or middle. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Anna, what would you choose? I would say third to save space. Um, Nick, what would you choose? Um, I would probably say first. And I would like to think that I would be smart enough to look around for a clue if I'm going first. Like that would be in my mindset. Be like, okay, I know I'm at a reward. I know there's usually clues to idols or clues to things. I'm going to look around for it. I'm going to put myself first. The thing I would never, ever, ever want is to have to be the person who decides the order. That would be like my worst nightmare. Um, Aggie, what order would you go in? Pre-COVID, I would have said anyone. Now, first. 
I'm not eating food that you put your mouth on. (laughs) Pre-pandemic, it could have been any order. Don't care. I would have hopefully been looking for an idle clue. If not, I'm eating food. Sick. Mm-hmm. Post-pandemic, I'm going first or nothing. When you eat spaghetti, you like eat it and then you bite it and some of the noodles fall down. Like, no. Well, it's not really the easiest thing to share in general. So, you know. Um, okay, next will be most ridiculous challenge. I'm just going to say, I think to my, for me, the most ridiculous was that final immunity with like walking in your letters and going back and forth. It was just so hard. Like I just, it was stressful. So that would be mine. Um, it would be the loved ones visit, but I don't think we can call it a challenge because it wasn't. But the one when they're standing on the balance beam with the hoop and they have to keep the ball mm. spinning in the hoop and also balance on it. One, that was hilarious to watch because like, why are you spinning a ball? But two, I would just be like, Jeff, can I bring this back to camp and just keep my hoop and ball? Because it seems like a good time. Sorry, I'm next. I forgot. Um, Okay, this maybe is not answering the question correctly, but I liked, I really liked the challenge where there were all those obstacles and they had to get their ladders. It was a little ridiculous because there's so many of them. But the ladder falls, shout out to the production team. They were so visually satisfying. (laughs) <laughs> they they didn't get stuck nothing bad happened to them and they just fell like it was so visually satisfying it was just a lot of steps and then at the end they had to do that cog puzzle and production was mean by adding like spokes they didn't need I was like this was already going to be difficult and now you've added spokes that they maybe don't need or is there more than one solution to this problem like could I have done the cogs in a different way from Christy and still won that seems like a little bit of like an extra annoyance on day 37 that we don't need but the latter falls are very satisfying and I enjoyed it immensely. Um, Laura, what was yours? That's so weird that you said the latter falls because that was like real good ASMR for me. I said something when we were watching it. I was like, that is a nice sound. <laughs> Honestly, like there wasn't really anything that super jumped out at me necessarily. I don't know. I like, I thought overall it was a weird ratio of water to land challenges. That's not answering the question, but I just thought it was weird. The rope ones always make me super nervous. Yeah. Um, and Anna, what was yours? Um, I agree with Nick. It was definitely the like hula hoop shake weight challenge. Um, not only because it just visually was like funny, um, but also at the live finale, Jeff cuts to like a bunch of past Survivor players doing challenges just like out in the CBS lot. Um, and you know, my man Cochran was out there shaking that hula hoop thing. <laughs> we love to see it. Going back to this Dan Ryan interview, the, the <laughs> one with where Ashley and Devin decided to like draw it amongst themselves where you're holding the plates with your arms. Apparently that wasn't as straightforward as it was edited. I guess like there was a little more to it than like them just being like, all right, trade you a bag massage. And apparently there was something where like when Ashley took her hand off, like the plate didn't fall, like it like was sticky or something. So there was like a lot of discrepancy around like what what counts and what doesn't count. So I also just thought that wasn't like that interesting to to watch in terms of like endurance challenges the the plate holding Mm -hmm. we could give it most ridiculous though for having wind chimes (laughs) Jeff felt the need to point out he's like when the wind is blowing you'll know you're still in the game because your wind (laughs) chimes will ring (laughs) like thank you (laughs) thanks okay and finally our zaddy of the season maybe someone you know we can suggest to bryce to add to (laughs) to the next uh zaddy calendar um anna who was your zaddy 
Mine was Devin specifically at the reunion. Him in the island was not the tea for me, but he showed up at the reunion looking like a man, like a grown man. I was very interested. Uh, Laura? I don't know if this is going to be unanimous, but 100% Devin for me as well. I mean, I, and it's weird because I don't think, thinking back to when I watched this live, I don't know that I was like super into him, but I was super into him this time around. Yes. Mine's Devin too. I just, he had the best personality and um, appearance. Uh, Nick and Aggie. Everyone's going to be mad at me. I'm sorry. Uh, Taking personality and the fact that he is a terrible person out of it, Patrick had the biggest bubble butt in the world. Like, oh my God, sir, what are you doing with all that ass? Um, Ben, I'm just kidding. No, it's not Ben. Um, I mean, did you read my chat? (laughs) Take away the tattoos. I picked Ben. Some of Ben's tattoos were cute and some were terrible. Um, But here's my tea. It it like has to be Devin, right? Like it has to be Devin. Devin's my brand. Devin's my brand. If you have listened to this podcast at all, Devin is my brand. It started with Ozzy, went to Malcolm, and now it is Devin. Um, I did think that Cole was very cute when we started. And then the dumb didn't help. And so I was like, I'm out. Ashley will murder me for saying this. But in one of our very, very early episodes, I think maybe like episode one, two or three, we used to try and like play some games once in a while. And I think we played a winner's at war edition of Kill Mary kiss and we changed that because like sometimes my mom will listen so and she she kept like in any matchup she would pick Ben and so I would tease her for like a long time be like oh my god you're so into Ben you're so into Ben like it was Uh, really fun I just like sometimes when I think of zaddies I like I feel like you have to take the personality away and it needs to just be based on is they right is, is <laughs> to look at. we we didn't even because we didn't even touch on patrick's personality and oh, like he was oh a terrible person God. terrible personality everything when his mouth opened i wanted to murder him but him just standing there in those tight tight booty shorts with the booty popping i don't care you there's nothing you can tell me that man is gorgeous. <laughs> well on that note of our zaddies We will go ahead and wrap up, but thank you everyone for listening. And thank you, especially to our guest, Laura, for joining us from Idle Chatter. Um, I don't know if you shared at the beginning, so do you want to share like how people can find you and your podcast? Yes, we, it's called Idle Chatter. Uh, Make sure you spell it correctly. Otherwise you'll get something about automobiles. If you want to find us on Instagram, we're at Idle Chatter Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Idle Chatter Pod, which I will say pops off more during live seasons. Um, But like sometimes I'll pop in to talk about The Bachelor or something from time to time. So we are there. I think by the time this episode drops, we will be covering a new old season which we're doing a bracket right now so i have no idea what that'll yeah i'm excited i can't wait to see which season wins the bracket all right that's all for us and we will see you next time thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of escaping reality we are so grateful to have you all in our podcast fam 
If you liked this episode, make sure you subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow for new episode notifications. We love interacting with you and we want to hear your take on the season. Slide into those DMs at EscapingRealityPod on Instagram or tweet us your feels at ESCRealityPod on Twitter. Go ahead and hit us up. We're excited to continue to grow our podcast in a few different ways. First, if you're a Survivor alum, we'd love to chat with you about your experience or any of your Survivor feels. Reach out to us on Instagram or email us at escapingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. Second, we are also looking for our listeners' help. We are starting a new segment called The Fans Have Spoken, where we read a listener's feels on the season, and then we discuss them as a group. If you want to have your thoughts read on the pod, shoot us an email with your name, Instagram handle, and three to five sentences about a particular season. We can't wait to start this new segment soon, but we need your emails first, so send them our way. Thanks for listening, and thanks for escaping reality with us.